The key characteristic for a mayor and, and many other public officials is you must set the direction and passionately lead in a way that others will follow and be motivated. Being able to tell your story compellingly is a critical characteristic of a clean economy leader. And this is Scaling Clean, the podcast for clean economy CEOs, investors, and the people who advise them. I'm your host, Mike Casey. I run Tigercom, a firm that counsels companies that are helping move the U.S. economy onto a more sustainable footing. In each show, we bring you usable insights on how to scale and run clean economy companies to the people who are succeeding at building, funding, or advising the most successful firms in your sectors. We describe the show as a podcast for clean economy CEOs, investors, and the people who advise them. And as both an investor and an advisor, Graham Richard has a foot in two of those categories, but he's also one of the few people in clean tech who've served in elected office. In fact, he served in two of them. He was the mayor of Fort Wayne, Indiana, the second biggest city in that state from 2000 to 2007. And before that, he was a state senator in Indiana. And he did all that before taking the reins at the advanced energy economy to advocate for pro-sustainability policies. Graham is now a senior advisor at the Los Angeles-based Finite, a sustainable investment platform, and he's also an advisor to AmeriCrew and Bright Action. I think his position gives him a special window into a number of CEOs and executive teams, and that's why I thought he'd be an ideal guest for the show. Graham, thanks for joining us. I'm delighted to be with you. How would you describe the arc of your career to date, and what drew you to renewables? I started early on renewable energy because I was running for statewide office. And that office, Lieutenant Governor, after I served as state senator, was responsible for energy policy. So I spent a lot of time early on in my career. And then after moving on from uh, politics at that point, I started Midwest Hydro after the Public Utility Regulatory Policy Act was passed. And that then led to cogeneration systems. So from a business point of view and a policy point of view, um, the arc of my career has been to kind of look ahead at uh, clean energy and clean economy systems that could scale and would have impact. And then that happened as mayor as well, because we were one of the first uh, cities in the country uh, to reach out with other mayors. And in 2005, for example, uh, I was a founding member with uh, other mayors around the country of the Mayor's uh, Climate Action Initiative started with the Sundance Summit in 05 with uh, Rocky Anderson, the mayor of Salt Lake City, and Robert Redford, and Mayor Daley, and, and others. So there's been a continuum of activity that then led to my selection after I was mayor of Fort Wayne um, by Tom Steyer and Amat Tunisia and other board members like Bill Ritter to help stand up the advanced energy economy. Now I'm delighted to be an investor and an advisor in early stage companies. Uh, all of those companies have a mission and a vision about a secure, clean, affordable energy future. In your work as an advisor and an investor, you've observed and met a lot of CEOs. What qualities do the top CEOs in this sector possess in your experience? Well, I use that as a criteria for where I make my investments and, and where I'm being an advisor. And I start with a, a talented leader or leadership team 
and they've got to have real passion and they've got to have a purpose driven solution that includes a digital platform with capability to scale. In the end, what's important is that we reduce massive amounts of carbon pollution, that we reduce the energy burden, that we transition to this incredible clean economy by creating jobs. And so it always starts with passion and purpose and the ability to tell that story effectively to investors, to team members, recruits. Uh, those are the things that I, I focus on. In, in addition, you need to have leaders with experience or capability to build a trusting environment. Uh, trust is so critical in early stage companies in particular, but any stage company. Expand on that last part, if you would, please, because next question is, how would you describe the role of the effective clean tech CEO? Let's say you tomorrow, we're going to go down to Stanford and be a guest lecturer at an MBA class. And you got a question. What is the job of a clean tech CEO? How would you answer that question? Passionate, relentless pursuit of customers with a solution that delights them. Number one. Number two, you got to have the strategy of presenting that solution to the customers knocked cold. It if you have the wrong strategy and great execution, you don't have a winning company. And then third, the capability talent to either build the team or you yourself execute on performance. If you can't perform, it doesn't matter how good your product is and how good your strategy. So all of those are the leadership characteristics that are critical for particularly early stage companies. When you were mayor of Fort Wayne, it's Indiana's second largest city. What did you learn from it that helps when advising clean economy CEOs? It's not the background that one typically thinks of for an advisor to early stage companies. You think someone who's run early stage companies or was a VC at one time, you have a very different background and I'm really interested in knowing how you feel that's equipped you to provide valuable perspective to CEOs. Well, the key characteristic for a mayor and, and many other public officials is you must set the direction and passionately lead in a way that others will follow and be motivated. So there's the external job of a CEO, of a mayor, and then there's the internal job. When you have nine unions and you have almost 2,500 employees, um, you've got a huge challenge internally to align your internal team with what the vision and mission is. So we wanted to be the safest city of our size. We wanted to be a city that had the highest level of performance. And so learning those skills of communication, communication externally to your customers, your vendors, being able to tell your story compellingly is a critical characteristic of a clean economy leader. And then next is trust. And building trust, whether it's you know, in a city government or within a community, is a critical leadership characteristic. And I think every clean economy CEO that is out there today has to be able to tell that story and motivate 
those that are customers, stakeholders, investors, employees, to stay focused on executing on the strategy. Graham, you've talked about passion, you've talked about compelling solution, but beyond those, are there other things you're looking for when you consider investing in a company? Yes, I think uh, performance is very important. And uh, that is a mindset and it's also an experience base. So for example, in one of the companies that I've been really excited about, um, which is led by Kevin Conroy, and he was the founder with the great idea for Finite, uh, we've, uh, you know, he's paired up now with uh, uh, David Kretschmer, who uh, is significantly older than Kevin and uh, led a, as chief investment officer for Anthem Insurance Company, uh, the investment decisions for over $30 billion, a lot of that were fixed income assets. So the willingness of a founder like Kevin to engage and think about the execution and knowing that he would be complimented by the talents of David. And so building a team is a critical leadership, particularly when in each of the companies I'm in, in, in advising, they have to have a rich and deep platform. I learned about platforms when I moved to San Francisco and Hamant Tunisia was one of the co-founders of the advanced energy economy. And he was a venture capital investor. Uh, his first book Unscaled, uh, is about the power of platforms. And at the advanced energy economy, we developed PowerSuite, a technology platform that helps search every piece of legislation, every state legislature as a member benefit. And also everything at FERC and the US Congress and every public utility commission. In that process, you had to have a, a, a mentality of, I don't have to understand everything about how to build that platform. I have to understand the significance and the importance to my customer. So when I look at the founder CEO, I want to make sure that that person understands the power of the platform in addition to being able to work with people. And when you're considering investing, is there a way you found to get a window into how solid the CEO's team is? You can, I think, more appropriately assess the CEO's strengths and weaknesses through interaction with him or her. What about their teams? In some cases, my investments uh, and advice were so early that there was a very small team. But in that case, you want to know that the capability for each team member, their performance capability has some basis in experience and in results. So I look to what did you do before that will lend your capabilities. So the technology team at Finite previously built platforms not applied to sustainable investing. And and what makes Finite really unique is that it's the first platform we're aware of with SEC approval, where the technology, in a sense, creates a fintech innovation for investing in solar assets. So the technology has to be rich and deep, and we have to have gotten the SEC approval, and all of the pipes have to work. 
So when, you know, an investor comes on and wants to invest $500, first platform that we're aware of, for a fixed income asset investing strategy, all that has to work. It has to be easy. It has to be done in less than three minutes. And we have to be able to, you know, when you have people's money invested, meet all the criteria of the SEC. So there was regulatory compliance. There was technology platform development. And so the issue is, can the leadership team choose the right vendors and hire a small team of people to build out that technology platform? So I assess by looking at the experience and, and the blend. You want some people who, you know, got that youthful zeal and brilliance and but you also want some folks that have seen 10, 15, 20 platforms built. And so that's how you assess and decide whether or not you're going to, in a sense, bank on, you're going to, in a sense, invest, trust your investment money uh, and, and a lot of time with a new company. In your experience, watching companies perform in public policy spheres and in commercial execution, net-net is what they do more important or is what they choose not to do that's more important? I think you lead with what it is that is most important. You lead with your assets, you lead with your strengths and you put on the parking lot. I'm talking to one individual and this is a person who's used to saying yes. And I'm saying delegate, dump, delay, and do, which comes from a good book on how to manage your time. But sometimes it's the reminder value to stay focused. So I would always emphasize, lead with what it is you do well, and the most important question, who is my customer? How can I delight my customer? How can I get my customer and I can't give the details of the names, but in one case, Americrew and Kelly Dunn, who I met when I was the mayor of Fort Wayne, and he had sold a company to Ivan Seidenberg at Verizon, and we were trying to build out the Fios system in Fort Wayne. We were one of the first communities to do that. Then Kelly went on to found other companies, and at Americrew, um, he has a good track record of re, uh, recruiting veterans, over 3,000 veterans, to be trained in the wireless industry. And what I, I helped Kelly, Kelly uh, see was EV charging infrastructure is very much like what you've already been doing in building towers, putting in broadband, the civil engineering, a lot of that work. So for a customer, they wanted to find locations for EV charging in two major uh, well-recognized cities. And he put together a team and they went in in no time at all using veterans, surveyed all the different sites, found the sites and led this particular large you know, brand name corporation. And so when they wanted to go to another location, they said to the prime contractor, we want Americrew in this again because of how they delighted this customer in trying to find uh, EV charging infrastructure sites. So execution is critical and focus on the customer need is critical. And so you have to separate things that are not on the immediate need list in order to meet that customer need. 
once you've got that customer need and you're getting repeat customers, then you can focus on other things. How will the clean economy be different in five years? And what will those differences mean for the evolution of clean economy CEOs? I think we will have the clean economy becoming the economy. I think the nature of discussing alternative energy is fast fading. The alternative energy will be the fossil fuel industry. And so in five years, I suspect we will have great progress on the electrification of transportation, building electrification, and distributed local energy will be booming. And with that, we will have tremendous demands on workforce. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so supportive of AmeriCrew and training Americans veterans to be able to fill a tremendously important need for trained workers across the spectrum. Just think about all the electricians that we need with the electrification of everything. We are so far behind on what we need to do. So in five years, I hope that Kelly and, and hundreds of other you know, he's founding the National Infrastructure Training Academy for veterans and for uh, underserved communities, that we have millions of people uh, in post-high school learning and education and skilling and you know, all the workforce. So I think that will be something that will be in full, full throttle, if you will. Um, and I think in, in addition to that, the integration of systems. What we need now are systems thinkers people who can put together software solutions, platform solutions, training, um, in, in the, the kind of approach of integration of different solutions and platforms that we haven't even thought about. And so I hope lots of people come from the oil and gas industry, come from technology, come from big tech, um, computer, social media, all of those industries. I think we will be attracting literally millions of people of all ages. And that will be great for the industry. And how will that translate into differences for clean economy CEOs, focus, ideal backgrounds? I I think we will find uh, many more CEOs in the clean economy uh, like Lisa Altaeri at Bright Action, for example. She was a data scientist, but she also ran a recycling company and she was a community organizer. We're going to find attraction, we're going to attract people to climate solutions, to the clean economy, who may not know a whole lot about the difference between all of the sort of electrification issues, meaning the big grid, the distribution grid, the Uh, grid edge solutions. We're going to find people that come because they have leadership in a given company. And they say, I now want to turn that to the clean economy. As you sit here now, are you a clean tech optimist or pessimist? And are you a climate progress optimist or pessimist? And why? I am hopeful. And I am an optimist. I actually won a contest when I was in high school at the Junior Optimist Club. And, <laughs> and, and, and the quote that I used 
Oh, wait, twixt the optimist and the pessimist, the difference is droll because the optimist sees the donut and the pessimist sees the hole. Now, that's a little ditty and you know, I had brought that up to my memory for decades. But my point is this, every indicator, market indicator, and that's where I focus, is for optimism. We now have the technology and with platforms like Finite, more financing, we have the systems integration, and we have public policy. Like, even if the Biden administration does not get, you know, the final build back better reconciliation, even in the infrastructure plan, particularly as it relates to EV charging, we, we've got resources and we've got commitment and passion. 500,000 charging stations in five years, that's a massive goal. And so what do I see? I am optimistic on both of those questions. And I think it's market-driven optimism by lowering the costs of, of solar and wind and all the new innovative technologies and systems thinking, financing, and permitting. It's moving so quickly. You get invited to give the keynote to the first ever joint session of RE Plus, InterSolar, and Clean Power. The entire clean tech industry leadership is assembled before you. You are asked to speak on the one to three things that these sectors need to do above all else. What do you say? Continue your pathway to innovation in innovative integration of systems, finance, and public policy. In that order, priority? Yep. Stay doing what you're doing. Public policy is very important. I've spent my life as a state senator, as a mayor, uh, as the leader of a major trade association promoting policy. But you also have to stay focused because the policy is more easily driven when you have solutions that consumers are demanding. When you have a hospital, a college, a university, and a major manufacturer in a given community, regardless of whether it's purple, red, or blue, those are the employers. They can demand attention from every, and if you make microgrids and electrification and vehicle to grid and all the new technologies, if you make them consumer driven, whether that's a company, you know, as I said, an anchor institution, or whether that's the city government, then the policy is easier to get changed because you have so much clout from the company CEOs, the mayors. So I say you have to continue that momentum, improving customer services of products and services, reducing the costs of solar, integrating the systems and getting better finance, that drives policy. Final question. Are we in the era where commercial execution is more important than policy or not yet? I think you have to have both, but there are those who believe that the policy always drives the innovation. I think we're at a stage where the innovation and the customer demand will help drive the policy. So I think you're going to do both at the same time. And obviously policy is critical. If we hadn't had many policies over the last 20 years, 
we might not be at the state we are now, uh, you know, from net metering uh, as it relates to local and distributed energy. And then at the federal level, the tax uh, benefits and credits and so forth that help to bring down uh, the cost of the financing of those first major projects in particular, large scale solar and wind. So um, it's, it's a circular systems approach. And I don't think it's one or the other. We do both, we, we, we can do this. And uh, the traditional energy interests have been doing it for decades and decades, meaning they spent a lot of time and money on lobbying, they figured out how to message and they've continued to protect traditional energy when in fact, the clean energy economy is the economy that really brings the benefits to particularly the people that need it the most, those that have the highest energy burden. Graham Richard, I am so grateful you joined us. This has been a fascinating conversation. I am grateful to you for your time. I, I want to thank you on behalf of a lot of people in clean economy, some you've met, many you haven't, for being a clean tech OG. Mike, you, you know, you're, you were there early on and you were driving things when it wasn't at all certain that this thing was going to take off and scale. And it was people like you, in my opinion, who put a floor under people like me. So I want to express my thanks. And I love that you keep on leading and keep on driving results. So thank you. And thanks for being on the show. It's, it's just been a pleasure to talk to you. Delightful. Good to connect. Thanks, Mike. This is Scaling Clean, a production of TigerCom. I am Mike Casey, and I thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to our show for free anywhere you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.